This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. This train is now departing. Please stand clear of the doors. Please stand clear of the doors, everybody. I haven't actually had to do that since um, last September when we were doing this train testing. <coughs> was one of the most fun things about what it was that we got to do, uh, getting to control everybody with a megaphone. If you've never had a chance, you should give it a go. Um, my name's Alexandra. I work for Meld Studios. And as Steve said last year, I got, to, uh, I got to do this amazing piece of work where we got to test Victoria's new trains. Um, and we got to test them with a high-fidelity mock-up. Yes, that's a train. Like, that's a real train in a warehouse um, in Hallam. And what I'm going to talk to you about today is the uh, enormous logistical exercise that we went through. There was 87 passengers, 26 helpers, um, all together for four hours. Well, the helpers were there for a bit longer than that, but four hours sort of concentrated effort in a warehouse in, in Hallam on one day. Um, you don't often get to do things at this scale, and it was, it was really good fun. So I'm going to share with you um, how we went about it, and I guess some learnings um, as well, in case you ever get to do this yourself. So just a little bit of context um, why we were doing this. Um, so our goal was to understand how the new trains would work in practice for passengers. There's a few things that we needed to find out. So... Um, we got the job because we told them we would be able to find out these things. So that was kind of our parameters. We had to be able to get some information about boarding and alighting, um, dwell times, the accessible experience, the impact of the centre pole on movement. I'm going to go into this all in more detail. Handholds, platform heights, um, and the information displays. So we had to do all of that. We had to find all of that information. Um, and so we had to design our test and our research to make sure that we would get those answers. But we were acutely conscious as we were doing that, as we were designing this experience, um, that we needed to make sure that wasn't all we got, um, that we weren't so focused on, on designing a test that found out this stuff that we didn't find out anything else. So we needed to allow room for us to observe and to see what was happening and to have the, the test and the people tell us what was important to them as well. And it was a pretty interesting challenge. Um, my colleague Alex, who I did this project with, has made an absolutely beautiful video. And I actually thought I'd start with that because that'll let you get a really good feel for what it was all like. Um, and then I'll go into a bit more detail. So this project was about testing aspects of the new train design for Melbourne's network. We got 100 people out on the mock-up physical life-size replica and we got them to do a whole bunch of different simulations to actually physically test what the train was going to be like in practice. We allocated people into groups to um, help us to tell them when they needed to get on and off the train. And with their allocation into a group, they were allocated a mood, uh, like I'm running late or I've had a bad day.
So the important thing is that this is task-based. So we give people a job to do and then we watch them do that job. Um, we don't tell them what it is that we're looking for because we're trying not to influence their behaviour. Most of it is really tick box feedback. It's actually quite quantitative, which is things like where were you seated or standing? Uh, did you have something to hold on to? And then at the end of each trip, we get them to be a little bit more open. We give them two pages and just say, so, you know, tell us how you're feeling. When you look at things together and understand them from a whole lot of different points of view, that's actually when you get insight. That's when you start to understand what is really happening. Um, and that's why it's valuable. And that's why we do look at things in many different ways. There's the state government, obviously, because this is the train we're buying. We want to make sure we get it right. There's the passengers because they'll end up with a better customer experience and a better journey. And there's also the contractor Evolution Rail who we're working with because we'll be able to help them refine their design and make sure they deliver a product and a train that we as the government want. And we've learnt a lot about the network and what else we might do for trains on Melbourne's network. So... That was, the, that was the end outcome, or that was what we actually did on the day. Um, so, as I said before, an awful lot of planning um, goes, went into this. Um, this was our plan for the day, so the, or, or plan for each trip. Um, so this is how we actually navigated people around. So we had six stops, and we did label the stops. We were travelling from Caulfield to, yeah, I can't remember, too long ago, somewhere. <laughs> but it was the stops along the way. Um, so the little green arrows going up says that's the people getting on the train. So there was 53 getting on, people getting on the train um, at the first stop and then the little orange ones are the people getting off. So there were 26 people getting off and 26 getting on at stop two. Um, that's a mixed flow. So we needed to replicate a mixed flow, a heavier light, a heavy board and a crush load. So that's how we did this by um, getting people, dividing them into groups. They were all divided into their groups with these lovely tags. They were each given a tag which has, you know, group F on one side and, and a mood on the other. I've never travelled on this train before, was group F's mood. Um, and so, yeah, they had to, group F might have had to get on at stop one and then off at stop four and then on again and then off. Oh, no, nobody got off at stop six. They all just got on. Um, so we did this. And we did it six times because we needed to um, cover a whole range of different circumstances. So this, was a, this is a plan of our mock-up of the train. It's one and a half train carriages. It's not the first one and a half carriages of the train, but it is, um, replicates all of the different sort of scenarios that you get in a train, all of the different seating layouts and stuff. So we tested at door one, two, four and five. <coughs> Um, because of the different layouts, so we needed, to, we needed to test door two, as you can see, is almost all seating, and so we needed to test how people got on and off and how long it took and what worked and whether they fitted in that particular scenario, um, as opposed to door one, which has almost nothing. Um, the other thing that you can't see on this map was that the platform was built, um, uh, the platform was built at an angle, so deliberately, um, door five was completely flat. 
So that was completely flat, roll on and roll off, and flat and very close. And door one, um, there was a really big gap. I don't know if you saw that in the video. We had some footage of someone tr stepping down. It was a really large gap, um, which replicates what we'll actually have on the network. Because when these trains come into play, we're going to have a few new, new stations that they, will be, um, that they will be running through, and the new stations will all be lovely and flat and really close because they'll be planned to be that way. We have stations on the network that are 120 years old, um, and they're not flat. The, the actual station itself may vary from a, a gap that big to actually a gap that big, <laughs> um, you know, going both ways. You may have to step up to get off the train. Um, so we needed to replicate all of that. At door one, we did two trips because we, there's a centre pole and we got the centre pole taken out for the second trip. So we did one without the pole and one with the pole just to see the impact that that had. And at door two, we did two trips because that was the first trip and we kind of figured that the first trip, everybody would behave quite differently to four hours later and we wanted to see how that worked out differently. So 36 stops in all, which... Yeah, over, over a period of about four hours. Um, so we did quite a lot of checking out the train. Um, so we, we had two trips out to the train in the warehouse in the weeks leading up there. One just to sort of look at it and figure out what we were going to do. And the second one we went and did a, um, a, a role play. So we actually run, ran through this with, um, with all of the different helpers. Um, lots and lots of planning. This is um, Jeremy helping us figure out where we were going to put the cameras. Um, we had four cameras. We were capturing GoPro footage um, from, ooh, from four different, um, in four different locations um, and then we're able to look at them all together at the end to, to figure out what was going on. Um, and then back at the studio, we had a whole lot of planning. Um, had to find some megaphones and figure out how they worked. Uh, had to try and find some tape because we needed to tape off sections of the train. We couldn't test the whole train at once because that would have been about 260 people if we were testing a whole carriage at one time. Um, and it would have been firstly very expensive and secondly, I don't think we could have all fitted on the platform to be able to, to simulate that scenario. So um, we were doing the train in thirds and testing it door by door. So we were testing what sort of tape worked best to tape off things and was it strong enough to stop you falling over. Um, this is our to-do list, and I wish that I had someone standing in that picture. So this is a floor-to-ceiling whiteboard. <laughs> that was our to-do list in the week beforehand. Um, was was great. We managed to tick everything off um, before the date. We had so many helpers, so many people helping us, um, and so they were. We had a and we had a like a clipboard and a running sheet for everybody um, who was helping us on the day. So. The other thing was we, we actually told all of the passengers who were coming, um, we just said anybody in a high-vis high vest can help you. So rather than having a single point of contact, we just said anybody can help you. So we had to brief them. We also had to make sure they had all of the information they needed in case they were asked a question. And uh, yeah, this is Alex with our run sheet that we had there on the day as a visual way of letting people know where we were in the journey because um, we felt that was really important. There's a whole lot of just getting on and off the train and we were trying to create a scenario that felt a little bit real. So we were trying to say, okay, this is your, this is your first journey, um, second journey, you're halfway through. Ticked the first box and went, hey, 35 to go. <laughs> um, there's more props that we were collecting. This is Super Ted. 
we weren't allowed to have children on our on our testing scenario, but we wanted to test with a whole lot of um, different people, um, different people who travel in different ways. We wanted to test with people um, who traveled with children. So Super Ted got to be someone's kid. So we had someone who said, yeah, I normally travel with my, my young child, and she took Super Ted with her. Um, we also had prams, we had bikes. Uh, we had, yeah, lots and lots of props. Needed a trailer to get everything out to the warehouse. And then on the day, oh yeah, doors. <laughs> on the day, these are our door guys. Not what I was going to call them. Um, these are our door guys who, um, they built the train with the intention of figuring out how it worked before they actually, this is a prototype, it's not the real thing, but it's a really realistic prototype. Um, and they built it with the intention of finding out how it worked for people with a specific focus on boarding and alighting and dwell times, which is how long the train stays at the station, which is mainly because of when the doors open and people get off and on and doors shut, and the doors didn't work. Um, so we had to have guys manually using, doing the doors. So that was their job for the day, was to wait until we heard the beep, beep, beep noise, because we had a sound track, beep, 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 and they'd pull open the doors, and they were quite heavy, and then push them back shut again. That was their job for the day. Um, they got quite good at it. They were quite good by the end, and they even, um, they, they knew they were going to do this as part of our run-through, and so they actually investigated how long the doors took to open and tried to replicate their opening of the doors um, to how long the, uh, how long the doors took to open. They were great. Um, we had lots of helpers because we had 87 people rocking up um, at, uh, at quarter to 10. And um, they all had to sign their confidentiality form, be allocated into a group, pick up their booklet, be told everything that was going to happen, although we did that in a big briefing. So we had lots of people who were helping us to do that. Um, and then we actually finally got to do the testing. So I'll just flip through some pictures that give you an idea of what that was actually like. So it's waiting to board. Um, this, is, this is on the train, so what it looked like from on the train. Perhaps I should point that that way, that might help another picture from on the train and this is someone um, filling out their their form as they go cool so that was what we did what can I tell you about that if you ever get to do this yourself so the first thing that I will say is that there are limits to how real this test can be so sure we had a train and it was an amazing train and it was very 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 real um, it felt like being on a train, except that it wasn't moving. However, um, the people were not very realistic because they were so happy to be there and they were so excited about it and it was really cool and they got to see the new train before anybody else and our first test, our first walk, um, like our first trip that we had estimated would take, and we genuinely didn't know how long it was going to take and we said, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 25, took about 45 the first time because you'd actually see people walking onto the train, looking underneath the seats and testing out the handholds and talking to each other and being really chatty and friendly and they're having a great time. And we're like, this is cool. I'm glad you're having a good time, but you do not look like a commuter train. You, <laughs> you, you guys, yeah, you guys look like you're at a party, and that's that's great. It's, we did start getting the megaphone in there and start hassling people, and um, 
and, and pushing them along. Um, and they did, uh, the other thing was, it was the middle of September, and we'd told everybody to rug up because we'd been out there the week before and it was freezing in this warehouse. And then this day turned out to be 30 degrees. And so everybody was sweltering and it was sweaty and it was disgusting. And so after three and a half hours, we actually started to get people getting really a little bit antsy and pushing and shoving and being very uncomfortable. And that was much better. Um, we also had uh, people crowding the platform because everybody who wasn't getting on and off or, or wasn't on the train was standing on the platform, and that's not really normal. Um, you wouldn't have that many people on the platform. And the other thing is they were being told what to do. So normally when you are traveling on a train, you, you do not have someone telling you, you need to get off at the next stop or you need to get on at the next stop or anything like that. So, so for all of those reasons, it wasn't very realistic, but we did lots of things to combat that. So we did give everybody their mood cards, so, and they got to swap these So after each trip. So they got six different, um, six different numbers, and, and there were about 20 different moods on all of them um, throughout the whole lot. So they got a different mood and a different routine to do with every trip. Um, we had a soundtrack, so we had um, the noise of the train traveling, with the beeps of the door opening and the announcements of that we, where, you, where you were arriving. Um, and we did start hurrying people up and doing a kind of a mock competition of, you know, last one on the rotten egg and, and punishing. We started closing the doors, so, so made the announcement, you know, this train is about to depart, please stand clear of the doors, and started closing the doors. Um, so they actually had to, um, they had to move on. So all of this helped. And, the fact is, we, was, we were on a train, it was like, that, that's pretty amazing. That was great. Uh, getting the right participant mix is my learning number two. So, actually, I'll flick to the next slide where I can tell you what participants we had. So, we had a range of heights, tall people, short people, people in the middle, genders, age, uh, train user type, so we, we looked at people who, we, and this was, we asked people in the recruitment process, do you use the train regularly or don't you? And we wanted a mix of that. And build, self-reported. We asked people how fat they were <coughs> and made sure we got a mix of that. I've never recruited for that before, it was pretty interesting. Everybody seemed quite happy to talk about it though, so it was all good. Um, we also had people with accessible needs, so wheelchair user, mobility scooter user, someone with a walking stick, two hearing impaired pe um, people, one of whom also had vision impair a vision impairment. Um, we had a guide dog and we had lots of people with walkers, as well as, as you saw before with all of the props, we had the bike, um, we had a lady with a double pram um, and, um, and the baby, Super Ted. So, we were deliberately recruiting for people who are on the fringes of average um, because we felt that that's where we were going to get the most useful information. Um, and we were right, and I would absolutely do that again, but we do need to recognise that we actually didn't have um, a... This was not a commuter train, so this was not something that is replicable, like, that, that replicated what... Um, Transport for Victoria expected to see on a daily basis coming into the city on these trains. So we had to take that into account with the data and the things that we were looking at. Um, and I, th I 
still think we got the right balance. The things that we learnt were, were because of the mix that we had um, and the things that we, we needed to know. But it was a balance. It was a balancing act. Talking about balancing acts, the Good Design Balancing Act. So, there is not always a right answer. And I think one of the things, one of the reasons that we do design and the reason that we're, we like what we do and we are supportive and passionate about the way that we do things is because it helps you to make better decisions. There is, sometimes there is not a right or a wrong answer. The things that may be the best answer for one person are the wrong answer for another person. And this came to the fore with a number of things that we were talking about here specifically. Handholds are an interesting one. So handholds, like the obvious thing is have lots of handholds. Um, so everybody's got something to hang on to, which is great. Um, it does actually look really visually cluttered, is one downside of that. Um, and tall people hit their heads on them. It, it's actually quite awkward. And you don't need to be very tall to have handholds get in your way. And it can be, it can be really awkward. That's, the number of seats is another one. The number of seats is a really good one. Um, a lot of people, when they saw the design of this train, was, were really surprised that we hadn't moved to a metro-style train, which just has the, uh, the, the seats along the edge and lots of space in it. So seats along the edge facing inwards, so facing each other, and lots and lots of space for people to stand. Um, the thing is, this train is going to be traveling from Pakenham. Is that further away than Dandenong? It's on the Dandenong-Pakenham line. Pakenham. It's going to be travelling from Pakenham to the city and then out to Sunbury. That's when the new metro train line comes in, but it'll actually be doing very much the same trip even before it go around the loop. Um, that's an awful long way. Like, you could be on this train, even if you're just going from the extremity into the city, you could be on this train for an hour and 20 minutes, and a lot of people will be on this train for, for over an hour. So there was actually a decision that was made by the government, we need to keep a certain number of seats. Like we need to make sure that people can be seated and can be comfortable. Um, the fact is, that means you fit less people on the train, and it means that getting on and off the train takes longer, because people have to get out of their seats and then move down in the corridors, and it's just, it doesn't flow as well. So that is a, that's a balancing act. Um, and the other, the other one that I will just talk about for a minute is the centre pole. Um, clearly, as you can see from this picture, the centre pole causes problems for anybody who is in a mobility device. That is a no-brainer, therefore we shouldn't have the centre pole. But I actually don't have a picture of this to show you. If you don't have the centre pole, um, that entire space, which is one-third of the carriage does not have any seats in it, uh, doesn't have any seats in it, and seats are usually where you get your handholds, the rails and the things to hang on to. So there's an entire third of the carriage that virtually has nothing for anybody to hang on to. So you could have 86 people in a crush load in that space with nothing to hang on to but themselves. So that is a balancing act, and that's a really challenging balancing act because there's actually some really clear imperatives there about what we have to do. Um, so, it's a really interesting one, and th there's, like I said, there's no right or wrong answers. There's better answers, or there's things that are better for some people and better for others. What we did through this work was give Transport Victoria, help them to understand 
what actually those, what that balancing act was and help them to be better informed about where they should land, where they wanted to land and what they could do for the people who were disadvantaged in any decision that they made. Um, so, like I said, design's a balancing act and we will, they, they will be able to make better decisions because of the, the, the um, research that we did, the testing that we did here. Number four, advantages and disadvantages of the high fidelity mock-up. If you haven't already picked it up, I was really excited about having a train to test. <laughs> it was great. I absolutely loved it. A lot of the things that we were testing could have been tested with almost as much impact and validity in the results by putting some masking tape on the floor of a warehouse or some chairs or something and simulating it in a really low fidelity environment. So a lot of the movement stuff, a lot of the, you know, the space of how people feel comfortable when they're, they're squashed in next to each other, all of that sort of stuff, so much of that could have been tested much, much earlier. And that would have meant by the time we got to this design, a lot of those things would have been answered and we could, you know, focus on, on sort of the smaller things, the things that we can actually, um, yeah, that we can make a difference at once the design's already got to this stage. There were a couple of examples why we're having the high fidelity mock-up was fantastic. Um, this is one of them. <coughs> this is um, my colleague Adrian, he's not my colleague actually, he works at Transport for Victoria. He's one of our, um, we, he, he was one of our helpers. Uh, you can see his foot just underneath Mara's arms there. You can see his foot. He was lying on the floor with this sign across his chest. I have fainted, please get help. <laughs> we got him to do this randomly a couple of times during the day um, because we wanted to know how people would respond to that. I have fainted, please get help. Um, and it was fascinating because they had all of the signage. Like this looked like a real train. It had all of the signage, it had the buttons. You could push the buttons, you could pull the buttons. And so in terms of testing that, um, having the high fidelity mock-up actually made this a very real situation and we were able to get some, um, some awesome data about how people behave in that situation. So advantages, disadvantages, fun being one of the main advantages. And I think this is my last finding. Um, my colleague Alex has still not forgiven me for this. We were collecting data manually and it's largely quantitative um, for each, each time that they got on or off, they had to fill in these tick boxes, tick the boxes, tell us what you're doing, draw, like put a cross where you were sitting on the, sitting or standing on the train and then some qualitative, just free text field at the back grossly underestimated how hard that was going to be to translate <laughs> into data that was useful. So it doesn't look that bad, except that we had 87 of these booklets and there were 36 pages of quant data in each of these booklets, as well as all of the qual data. <laughs> and 
I think we'd probably still be typing it up. Like that's thousands of lines of data that we had written down. Um, thank goodness for Transport for Victoria who basically um, gave us a typing pool for a day. So we had people come and do data entry, but we, we literally, and I did have a photo of that and I, did I put it in? Did I put in the photo of the typing pool? No, I didn't. Um, uh, we, yeah, we had the typing pool. We had five people come and spend a day doing data entry for us, or we'd still be doing it. Um, so the data that we got was great. It was just putting it into it. We would do it. We'd do it digitally next time. There's no two ways about it. In my defence, we did only have three weeks to prepare for this, which included like planning what we were going to do, and I didn't really even think about a digital solution because by the time I thought about it, it was too late. Next time. <coughs> so, in summary, here's what I think you should do. Be very organised. If you're not organised, employ someone who is organised and have them manage this because it is a logistical feat. Learn stuff. And be really open about what you're going to learn and be willing to look at what people are saying that might not be what the client wants you to learn and um, yeah, learn stuff, it's good fun. Um, plan better for data than we did, um, which I've already talked about, and have lots of friends because we, we had 26 helpers on the day. Um, that's enormous and, uh, and without them we couldn't have done it. Um, so it was awesome and amazing and they're still friends, so it's all good. That's my talk, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, we have time for questions, Kit, and then over there. <laughs> what a killer project, that's amazing. Uh, I have like a thousand questions, but I'll leave it to like one maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, so then my first one is, the how transferable do you think the lessons are from Victoria trains to say New South Wales trains, international, whatever, and did you end up finding there were insights you could gather from existing research into this space? Yep. And the other one that's kind of relevant to that same question is, I remember there was an old US Australia presentation from one of the early years about uh, designing an aeroplane for long haul flights and they used actors instead of uh, representative participants. And since yep. you mentioned you didn't really have representative uh, population sample in the first place, do you think you would have been able to better simulate stressful situations, you know, train assholes, that sort of stuff, with actors who are more willing to play the part? Ah, cool. Um, it's a really interesting thought about the actors, and I hadn't thought, um, we, we'd never thought about doing actors, because we did actually want them to be real people um, who, who would potentially travel on these trains. Um, you could, so you could very well do it with actors, and if you had actors, you could probably push the boundaries a bit more about what you were testing, so we, needed to be very conscious that these were members of the general public who um, who were organised through a recruitment agency that normally organises um, them to come to focus groups. So you kind of need to be conscious of, we explained that this was different and that they needed to be mobile and that they were going to be crowded and all of this stuff, we did that in advance, but yeah, there was a level of, we need to be careful of them. So if you had actors, you could um, do that. Probably didn't need to in this circumstance because we were 
we were testing for fairly general things. So we, we weren't doing emergencies um, apart from our fainting thing. Um, yeah, we weren't really doing emergencies or anything. So that, that kind of worked. That was okay. In terms of your first part of your question about the, the learnings and how applicable they are, I think a lot of them are probably um, quite applicable. They're quite global. I mean, this is, this is people and it, it's, yeah, this is people and how people move around and, and you know, what they like and dislike. I don't, I don't think that Melbourne um, is going to be particularly unique, it, not compared to Sydney anyway. It might be very, very different in terms of if you're talking about Japan or Hong Kong or somewhere like that where people are a different size and shape and are very culturally used to a different experience. But, you know, if you're going to say Melbourne and Sydney, yeah, probably very much the same. And I know that Transport for Victoria is setting up a sharing arrangement with Sydney Metro, so they will be sharing some of those ideas. Um, there is one thing I would just say about transport and the opportunity to work in transport is uh, everybody loves trains. <laughs> Lots of people love transport. There's so much academic literature um, about transport in general. So one of the first things that we did was actually just see what do we know already and a Google search will just find so many people who've done academic research on boarding and alighting, for example. So it's one of the reasons why we knew step height was going to be so important because it's a globally recognised thing that step height changes the speed of boarding and alighting. So yeah, we, we did that to start with and you always can. Hi. I'm interested to know what your relationship was with the interior design agency that produced the interior designs for the trains in the first place and what kind of feedback you, they might be getting or changes they might be making as a result of this work. Cool. Um, I am probably not going to be able to answer that, actually. Um, so I didn't have any relationship with the interior design um, beforehand for who actually designed these. <clears throat> and so we're kind of given this and then, um, and, and that's what we were testing. So very little sort of input beforehand. Um, I've actually, I, I have actually said to Transport for Victoria that I won't be talking about the findings today. So I'm not actually able to tell you what we learnt specifically. Um, so, or, or, and what recommendations have gone forward. There were, uh, we, we had uh, about 40, 40, 45 recommendations in the end that went forward, some of which were really, 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 really tangible. Just do this, like this is obvious, here is the answer to this. And some of which were, as I discussed on that design spectrum of here is the understanding of this space and, and here's some things to help you make that decision. Um, the trains are going to, the first train will be live later this year, I believe. Um, and yeah, they, they don't particularly want the findings out there before the trains are out on the network, so. Um, I was just wondering uh, how much consideration was given to uh, the design of the stations and the platforms in your testing. I know because uh, there's a very common station where people are light on my train line. So there's only one set of escalators, so everyone wants to be on the train at that point so that yep. when they get off, they beat the queue for the escalators. Yep. Is that something you um, had to consider? Uh, so it wasn't specifically considered in this testing. Uh, because, uh, yeah, well, it just wasn't because it was the train. It was considered in terms of understanding the different platform heights and therefore the different impact that that made. But what I will say is that the, the, very, last, um, the, the very last scenario we had in each test was crush load scenario. 
is when 86 people were all in one third of a carriage at once. They didn't always fit, couldn't always get them on. Um, that would be entirely replicable of that situation that you were talking about where um, everybody is trying to get off in the one time and all trying to get to the same place. So it, it probably was represented there, but it wasn't specifically designed for. Oh, thanks for the talk, Alexandra. And um, a methodology question. Um, what specifically would you do differently next time? I know you'd spoken of having digital data collection. Yep. I'm also with reference to the actors. I wondered about um, using actors to change the mood, and sp specifically um, uh, actors that are experts at impromptu acting, yep. who could help shape the mood quickly. That's a great idea, and I hadn't thought of it, but I would totally do that next time. Uh, yeah, no, that, that would work really well. Um, one other thing that I'd do would be to give everybody half an hour just to wander around the train with a cup of tea and a biscuit beforehand so that they were familiar with it before we actually started testing. Um, and I'd, I would do something about the, um, uh, this, I mean, this is a really practical thing, but the width of the platform, make it a wider platform that we could narrow off to replicate a narrow platform, but that we could at least get people out of the way um, when they weren't part of that scenario. That, um, that might also allow you to replicate other types of behaviour like drunkenness or rowdiness or those sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily try and induce in your yeah. participants. Or you could. Or you could, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. One last question. Just a very quick one. Um, you said you recruited for people who were on the fringes of normal. Yep. Did you have uh, a specific methodology of then extrapolating the findings to reflect a, a, a typical commuter train, or did you just specify the findings for that group that you tested? Okay, so in terms of, so in terms of how do we understand what average was, yep. Yep. we actually used um, uh, census data to decide what average was. We couldn't really do that for body weight, but in terms of, <laughs> in terms of um, age, um, there is stuff about travelling traveling types, travelling habits, all of that sort of stuff. So we, we actually use census data to say, this is, a, this is a normal, like this is an average Australian. We need to make sure we've captured them, but if that's, that's the 80% of average, we only want 50% of them. And so we want people who are, um, you know, taller, um, taller or shorter or fatter or use travel with other things or use um, have accessible needs or have English as a second language or all of those things we said we actually want more of that to fill up our, our 50 percent thank you thank you Alexandra no thanks thank you We have a few minutes while we change over um, for our next speaker. Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.